Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm your Bible teacher today, and I'm so excited for today's sermon. Friends, we're talking about how God is the God of miracles. What an amazing series this has been, studying the names and the character and the power of God. Well, today we come to the beautiful name of the Lord our God, Jehovah Rapha. You know, many people in today's Christian circles, they love to debate, does God still heal? Does God still do miracles? Well, friends, uh, we don't debate. Uh, we pray. We pray. We pray and we watch God work. Does God still do miracles? Well, friends, we believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're someone listening today, you need God to step into your life. You need God to step into your circumstance. Your situation is far beyond your control. Oh, friends, I want to tell you, the God of the Bible is unchanging. The God of the Bible is a God of miracles. I'm so glad you're listening today. Before we get to today's sermon, I want to share with you a beautiful song from the worship team of the church I pastor, Preaching Christ Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. This is a great song called King of My Heart. I hope you enjoy it.
gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me So if you will, go with me, Exodus chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 23 and end in verse 27. As many of you know, I'm unable to see in the season of time, so I'll do my best to go from memory, and if I miss a word or two, you'll forgive me, right? So let's understand the name, Yahweh-Rohi, or Jehovah, I'm sorry, Yahweh-Rapha, or Jehovah-Rapha, the Lord my healer. But this is what the Bible says. This is the first time we're introduced to this name, Exodus chapter 15, verse 23. And when they come, when they came to Mirah, there was no, they could not drink the water at Mirah because the water was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mirah. And they grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, And he showed him a log, and he cast it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God. I'm sorry, uh, my mind went blank for a second. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Help me out. What's the next one? And do that which is right in his eyes. If you will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. He says, listen, 
I will put none of the diseases upon you, which I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Amen. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. Praise God. Amen. Now, I want to break this section down for just a few moments today because this is the first time that we introduce to this name, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. And this is the first thing I want you to note. In all of our study, whenever you come to the names of God in the Old Testament, this is what we typically find. God reveals his name at a time of crisis. I was staggered to learn this. God reveals his name in times of crisis. And you know, it is in times of our crisis that we get to know the Lord the best. How many of you would say amen to that? And if that's the case, then i tell you where I want to come to in a place in life. I want to be in a place where I'm not afraid of the crisis of life. I'm not afraid of what's ahead of the curve. I'm not afraid of what life awaits or what, what, what awaits me down the road because I know that in every crisis, I'm going to find the Lord there and I'm going to find the Lord faithful. And this is where Israel is. Now, if you read chapter 14, chapter 14 15, 16, and 17 are among some of my favorites in the Bible. And of course, when we're in chapter 14, as we talked about just briefly last week, the Lord led Israel up to the Red Sea. He led them by the pillar of cloud by day, by the pillar of fire by night. Now, I want you to hear me today. God led them exactly where he wanted them on the Red Sea. And the Bible says he pinned them in. How many of you know there are times in life God will pin you in. <clears throat> it's a place designated by the Lord. It's on purpose. It's on target. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your faith. You're in a season. You're in a place where God himself has pinned you in, and you're okay. How many can say amen? amen. And as they're pinned in, we know what happened. The Bible told Moses to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And we know the story. God split the mighty waters and the Red Sea split. And on dry ground, the children of Israel crossed. And we're not talking about a hundred or a thousand or even a hundred thousand people. Scholars estimate that Israel could have been up to one million people at this point. At least 600,000, up to a million people crossing on dry ground the mighty Red Sea. Now let me ask you a question. If you were in the camp of Israel on that day, and God, and you turned around and you saw God bring the waters down on your enemies, and what did chapter 14 say? The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. Praise God. And they saw them dead on the banks of the Red Sea. Would you not be so looking forward to the blessings in which God's leading you? <coughs> If you were in Israel that day and you crossed on dry ground and God delivered you from the mighty hand of the Egyptians and you read all of chapter 15 and you see how triumphant they were, you see how mighty the hand of God is, you see how much they glorified God for what he did, would you not think in your mind, God's leading us to somewhere wonderful? Do you know where God led them? To bitter water. Say amen if you're with me right now. 
There are times in your life when you think God's leading you to a blessing, but it turns out bitter water. Has anybody ever been there before? You know what I'm talking about, right? Don't be surprised. Don't be overtaken with fear. Don't fall apart. Don't let your faith be shaken. Because the Bible tells us something very powerful in this text. The Lord says that it was there that the Lord, the Bible says it was there that the Lord tested them. Now, why did God test them? Because, friends, we're talking 400 years of slavery. We're talking 400 years of the wrong mentality. 400 years of the wrong mindset. And it was going to take more than a Red Sea experience to teach them how to trust the Lord. So let's go back to our text. Here they are. They come to a place called Mirah. They could not drink the water at Mirah because it was bitter. Now, we know that they had been traveling for three days post the Red Sea. Three days that they had journeyed, a million people, following the cloud by day and the pillar by night, pillar of fire by night. (coughs) And here they come to the crossing of the Red Sea. God leads them through, and now they're three days past this great miracle, and they find no water. Now, friends, you know that you can go a while without eating, but how many of you know you can't go long without water? You can't go long at all without water. And here are a million people in need of water. Not only these people, but you can think how many women were pregnant, how many little ones were among the camp of Israel, how many livestock they had. And this is a great crisis. This is a great need. And I can see in my mind's eye that as they see this body of water, I don't know how large this body of water is, but can you picture in your mind the strongest of the strong running toward the water? Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine how fast that word traveled throughout the camp of Israel? That water has been found after three days, and they run to the water, no doubt. And people drink deeply, and what do they find? They spew it out because it's bitter. We don't know what made the water bitter, but something contaminated, something polluted the water, that it was bitter water. And now what are they going to do? They have no idea how far the next set of water is. No doubt some probably wanted to turn back and go back. And the people grumbled. Notice what happens next. When the people grumble to Moses and say, what shall we drink? This water is bitter. We can't, we, I can't give this to my children. I can't give this to my wife. We can't even give this to our livestock. What are we going to do, Moses? And what, notice what happens. Moses cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log, a piece of wood. Now, I love that. The Lord revealed to him what he was to do. You know, friends, listen. There are times in moments of crisis That God's going to show you things that you would have never seen unless you're in a moment of crisis. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are things the Lord's going to teach you, things the Lord's going to show you that you would have never had the spiritual eyes to see if it were not for that great moment of crisis. Praise God for those times. Amen? And the Lord shows him a log and tells him to throw it into the water. Now, what in the world does a log going into water have to do with purifying water? I mean, you know, you didn't have purification companies back then like you do now. 
You don't have Dasani water and Aquafina and all the other water company. I mean, how, how is this going to purify water? Could you imagine going to somewhere that had poisoned water and saying, we'll just throw a branch in it, it'd be fine. They would think you're crazy, wouldn't they? And what do you think went through the mind of Moses when God said, you see that log, throw it into the water. If you missed prayer meeting last Tuesday, boy, you missed a powerful sermon. Sheldon Livesey from Of One Accord Ministries, he ministered in such a powerful way and he preached a sermon on prayer, on the keys of prayer. And listen to what he said that really struck me so strong. He said, in the kingdom of God, facts do not matter. I want you to think about that. In the kingdom of God, facts do not matter. Facts don't matter. Facts do not matter when God calls the sun to stand still on behalf of Joshua and his army. Facts didn't matter when he split the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground. Facts did not matter when God shut the mouths of lions in the lion's den with Daniel. Amen? Facts didn't matter when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. Facts didn't matter then. And facts don't matter in our life when God is working and God is moving. The only fact that you and I need is the fact that God is sovereign and God is Elohim and God will do anything that God wants to do because he is creator. Amen? That's the fact that matters. And here Israel is and God says, take this log Cast it into the water. Well, friends, that makes no sense whatsoever. There are times God will tell you to do things that do not make sense. Praise God for those moments and be quick to obey. Amen? What did God do? God not only gave them pure water, God gave them sweet water. Sweet water. Sweet water. God took what was bitter and God turned it sweet. <coughs> now, there's a purpose in this. He says in the next verse, and there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there the Lord tested them, saying, if you will be diligent to listen to the voice of the Lord your God, if you'll keep all his commandments, if you give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes. If you will do that which is right in his eyes, then what does he say? All the diseases I put upon the Egyptians, I'll not put upon you. And here the Lord reveals his name. For I am Yahweh Ropha. I am the Lord, your healer. Amen. Now, here's the application for today. Obviously, we believe this piece of wood, this log, is not only symbolic to the obedience that you and I are to have at the revelation of God in our lives, but it's also symbolic to the cross of Jesus Christ. When you and I face bitter situations in life, it's the cross that makes it sweet to us. Amen? I was lying in bed last night unable to sleep. And as much as I've thought about this text, not once have I made the connection until last night. If you go back and listen to my sermons throughout the last few months, 
You'll often hear me say that this blindness has become a very sweet season to me. The Lord has caused this to become sweet. And I was lying in bed last night and I was thinking, Lord, times that perhaps I should feel bitter, times that I should feel uneasy or times that I should feel upset or whatever word you want to insert there. No, no, what I feel is the sweetness of the Lord. Friends, I can tell you from absolute experience Things that should make our life bitter, things that should be bitter to our soul, God has an ability to make them sweet. God has the ability to turn it for our good. God has the ability to help us when no one and nothing else can help us. We find God faithful in those bitter moments of life. And it was here that God gave them a statute. God gave them a rule. That if we do all that God commands us to do, if we do that which is right in his eyes, if we give ear to all of his commandments, if we keep all of his statutes, then what is the glorious promise? The glorious promise is God says, you will find me in the crisis. You will find me, Yahweh, Ropha, the Lord, your healer. That's the promise of God. Amen. Praise God for it. And there he gave his part of the deal, and he gave our part of the deal. His part is that he will provide healing. His part is that we'll find him faithful. His part is that we'll find him in the midst of crisis, and we'll know him, and we'll know his character. But our part is that we have to obey his statutes. We have to keep his rule. We have to obey his law. So my friend, I want to ask you today, is there anything that's blocking God from being able to work into your life? Is there any disobedience in your heart today? Unforgiveness will stop the healing work of God in your life. Unbelief will stop the healing work of God in your life. Ungratefulness will stop the work of God. When you're not a person filled with gratitude and you're not a person filled with thanksgiving, the Lord will not be able to work in your life. And do you know where so much sickness in our lives come from? Do you know where so much resentment comes from? It comes from this bitterness that can set up in our lives. And how does bitterness come? For some, bitterness comes through the acts of individuals, things that people have done to them, things that people did to them back in their past, things that family did to them, and it causes bitterness in their heart. For some, bitterness comes through the misdealings of God's people, the mishandlings of the church. You may be listening to this sermon today, and you may have been greatly hurt by a pastor or by a leader in a church, or by an elder or a deacon, or, or someone that you admired or you looked up to. Bitterness sometimes can come from our own sin, sin that we're unwilling to repent from. And, and I, and I want to tell you this. If someone has wronged you in the past, it doesn't matter what that wrong is. If that wrong is that they walked out of your life 
and left you picking up the pieces, if that wrong is that they molested you or abused you, if that wrong is that they didn't keep their promise to you or they stabbed you in the back or they gossiped about you, let me tell you, friend, do not allow their sin to become your sin.